0: Good morning, everybody. This is Paul Cerro of Cedar Grove Capital, and you're listening to another read aloud episode of today's um, newsletter post. Um, today is April 20th, 420. Uh-huh. Um, and today we're going to be going over a MA options idea that I had that apparently is going to be returning um, close to or upwards of 70%, depending on how you're scheduling it. So, why Microsoft's deal to acquire Activision has plenty of money left on the table. Um, I kind of like came across this idea because I just picked my brain and I went to Twitter about it. Um, But for today's read aloud, we're going to go over the deal specifics very, very quickly Um, Activision context, deal price action, what we know about this deal so far, the odds of the deal actually happening or not happening, um, the trade strategy. So, what trade I'm trying to um, essentially model out, um, and then important factors related to this deal uh, and trade specifically. So that's what we're gonna be going over today. So let's dive in. So for the deal specifics, um, earlier this year in January, Microsoft announced that it will acquire Activision Blizzard for $95 per share, a 45% premium to its previous closing price, and an all cash transaction valued at 68.7 billion, inclusive of Activision Blizzard's net cash. Uh, Coming from a crow from the deal, with Activision Blizzard's nearly 400 million monthly active players in 190 countries and $3 billion franchises, this acquisition will make Game Pass one of the most compelling and diverse lineups of gaming content in the industry. Microsoft also boasted Game Pass has surpassed 25 million users. With each user paying $16 a month, that's about $400 million in monthly revenue. With Activision Blizzard, Microsoft now owns a huge new range of franchises it can make available through the Game Pass, attracting even more users. Diving into just very, very, very quick context, so for for part two, um, quick Activision background. So for those of you that actually don't know what Activision Activision is, um, so Activision's gaming portfolio includes some very iconic franchises like Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, Call of Duty, and Candy Crush in addition to global esports activities through their major league gaming and a fun fact for you as well in 2021 alone Activision's top 3 franchises Call of Duty, Candy Crush and Warcraft collectively accounted for 82% of net revenues which was about 7.2 billion dollars no other franchise comprises 10% or more of its net revenues so it's a pretty big deal that some of these some of these franchises have have just made that much money. So very, very big deal um, in the names that they're actually purchasing. But if we actually fast forward to the deal price action, right? So though the buyout offer came in at $95 a share, the price only rose 26% to $82 a share after the news, still leaving plenty of upside on the table. Since then, however, the price has come down 4% from its post deal announcement, close of $82 to about $79 a share. At this level, there technically is an upside of 20% left in the stock, but what's holding the market back? In order to figure this out, we first need to weigh what exactly is going on before we can access the arbitrage opportunity here. So what do we know? Um, The biggest thing, well actually the number one thing um, is actually antitrust concerns. So the review of Microsoft's deal will be up to the Federal Trade Commission and not the Justice Department, which is a discouraging sign for the deal prospects. That's because the FTC under Lena Khan, uh, previously a vocal critic of big tech, has acknowledged taking an aggressive stance against deal making. In recent years, the FTC and DOJ have come to agreements about dividing responsibilities to review antitrust concerns over major deals, and the FTC has uh, actually sued to block two big ones so far. Um, One of them was Nvidia's deal to buy ARM and Lockheed Martin's proposed purchase of Aerojet Rocketdyne Holdings. Microsoft has a large, Microsoft actually in just in general, has largely escaped the recent push to clamp down on tech giants like Amazon, Alphabet and Meta until now. The company argues that even after buying Activision, it would still be far smaller in the video games category than Sony or Tencent. And in a sign of its confidence in the deal, Microsoft will pay Activision up to $3 billion in breakup fees if regulators block the transaction. No small sum, and I'll actually talk about that um, a little bit later. Microsoft expects the deal to take up to 18 months to close, but the Biden administration has been steadily increasing its antitrust enforcement efforts with a focus on the tech industry. In fact, four senators have expressed its concerns of this deal as well. Senators Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, and Sheldon Whitehouse said, we are deeply concerned about the consolidation in the tech industry and its impact on workers, in a letter to the FTC chairwoman Nina Khan. The senators want the FTC to review, um, assess whether the deal would exacerbate the allegations of sexual abuse, harassment, and retaliation that have become prevalent as Activision faces federal and state probes over misconduct. FTC Chair Lena Khan, though, now likely with enough support from aligned commissioners, will examine the deal with an eye to the combined companies, access to consumer data, the game developer, labor market, and the deal's impact on those workers who have accused Activision of discrimination and a hostile workplace, according to the information. And the FTC is also looking into the potential impact on a competitive metaverse. The probe is still uh, in its early stages, and expectations are that barring an FTC suit, Microsoft will close the deal the soonest, sometime in 2023. So now, what is Microsoft doing? In an effort to gain regulatory standing for the deal, Microsoft announced a uh, a new set of open app store principles that will work on the Microsoft Store on Windows and the next versions of Marketplace the company has for games. In a blog post, Microsoft's president and vice chair Brad Smith said, the principles were developed... Uh, quote, in part to address Microsoft's growing role and responsibility as we start the process of seeking regulatory approval in capitals around the world for our acquisition of Activision Blizzard. In addition, Microsoft said it intends to keep Call of Duty and other popular Activision Blizzard titles on Sony PlayStation beyond existing agreements and said it was interested in taking similar steps to support Nintendo's successful platform. As part of the two principles, Microsoft said all developers would have access to its app store as long as they meet reasonable and transparent standards for quality and safety. In addition, Satya Nadella led Microsoft said it would not require, repeat that, not require developers to use its payment system to process in-app payments in stark contrast to what Apple has done with its own app store. Microsoft also explained that it would not prevent, again, repeating that, not prevent developers from communicating directly with, with customers via their apps for what it coined legitimate business purposes, such as pricing terms and product or service offerings. So a quick recap. Um, so the concerns against the deal are one, too much consolidation in the gaming industry. Two, Microsoft did make Activision's portfolio exclusive to Xbox. And three, the company culture, sexual harassment, um, and abuse, uh, retaliation, et cetera. So Microsoft responses to the concerns. So one, they actually will allow the titles to be played on other consoles. Two, they will not restrict developers to o- only use payments on Xbox. Uh, and three, they will not restrict communication between developers and customers. Uh, but also as, as for the, like the sexual abuse, harassment, retaliation, um that seems more like an activision thing and not so much a microsoft thing and the only reason why i say that is because it's like they're not coming after microsoft about it they're coming making they're making sure that the allegations that came from activision don't kind of just get swept under the rug and just with a new home they continue to to um Continue to happen, um, but there's, you know, there's not really much that I can weigh in there. And besides Microsoft saying like, hey, we're going to make it better, make it a better place, you know, like, you, like how you, how do you quantify that? You really can't. So onto the next part. So what, like, what are the odds of the deal actually happening? So I actually asked Twitter uh, if I thought the deal was going to close or not, and the and the results suggested, at least on Fintwit, that it expected it to close. And for those listening in, I just did a simple poll on Twitter. And about 47% of respondents actually said that yes, that they expect the deal to close. Um, while no saying, uh, 25% of um, respondents saying no, and another 27% saying, I just wanna see the results. Um, so while I was hoping that you know some would give their reasoning as to why or why not, I only received one reply, which has a point, but not really further than that. And it's just a guy saying like, 20% deal premium should tell you the answer. So given where the current price is, a 20% jump since the announcement and what's left on the table, another 20%, it seems that the market is predicting a 46% chance of the deal closing. This was from a high of 60% immediately after the deal was announced. To figure out the implied odds of the deal getting done, arbitrage uh, take the stock of a uh, gain of about $13.64, um, the current price from the, uh, the price pre-announcement, and divide that into the total potential advance of $29.61, a share, measured from the January 14th close if the deal gets completed. But, why the skepticism? As Microsoft pointed out in announcing the deal, the transaction will make it the uh, world's third largest player in gaming by revenue, trailing only Tencent Holdings and Sony, and the largest U.S.-based player, Microsoft's gaming uh, business generated 15 billion in revenue in fiscal 2021, while Activision generated 9 billion. The addition of ATVI, Activision, would mean that Microsoft will control 14% of the 200 billion plus gaming industry. Not a crazy amount, if you ask me. Even with the sheer size of what they would control, they've made public statements, what I mentioned above, about them not restricting. Uh, content to just Xbox, making developers use their payment systems and or being able to communicate to consumers. These were all red flags that were initially raised for the deal review after the announcement was made. Additionally, a $3 billion breakup fee is not a small sum. It's about over, just over 4% of the entire transaction value considering that most breakup fees range from one to three percent of the total transaction value, I don't think Microsoft leadership would wager so much on a fee if they didn't believe the deal would close. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, a breakup fee is um, usually offered by the acquirer saying like hey, if we actually can't get this deal done, then like literally here's a bucket of money. Um, so if you can imagine like if this deal doesn't actually happen, then Activision just walks away with three billion dollars and, and probably a reduced stock price, but just three billion in cash done. Um, so for all these reasons, I'm actually bullish on this deal actually happening and believe that the company will, uh, has taken the necessary steps to win points with Lina Khan. With this being said, let's take a look at how I'm actually thinking of um, setting up this trade. So for the trade strategy, um, so while traditional M&A arbitrage would entail going long one name and short the other, considering Microsoft's size and how it only went down after the announcement, it would take a large position to offset any losses. Because of this, I'm actually looking to go long Activision via call contracts, while simultaneously going short via put contracts. Uh, There's also another component, selling um, out of the money call options at higher than deal value to generate some income while lowering my long call option premium. Below, I've actually included two tables that show where the call put options are trading for, um, for Activision as of um, close of yesterday, April 19th. Nothing to really look at because I'm just using this as a reference point for anyone that's you know, hearing or reading this. Um, it's just really just to outline the options change so you can visually kind of follow along with um, the actual like math portion, which I'm gonna get to next. So for the math, so like I said above, this is a three-part trade. We already know that the Microsoft said this deal would close in fiscal year 23, so their end of June, 2023. So we have a uh, rough sense of time. Realistic option dates only extend to March of 2023. So that's what I'm gonna be using for this exercise. Considering that I'm looking so far in advance, this is all theoretical and does not mean that I'm executing at this price. Um, so just, we're we're just dealing with numbers that we have available right now. Um, so nobody take this with you know more than a grain of salt. So the way I, I structured this trade, uh, and for easy numbers, was buying one call option at eighty two fifty strike with a free with a five dollar premium, bringing my break even to eighty seven fifty. Then I would buy a put option at a seventy seven dollar and fifty cent strike and a three dollar and fifty cent premium. To bring my break even to seventy four dollars as part of this hedge. Lastly, I would then sell call options at the hundred dollars strike with a thirty cent premium over a few months as time went on to lower my overall cost. And it's very important to keep in mind that there are factors that this trade does not include for. So any options person out there, like don't you know nail me to like a door or something like that. Like you know, like you know, no need to no need to go hard because I'm not accounting for volatility. I'm not accounting for time. I'm not accounting for any type of variance when it comes to the interest rates affecting it. Um, And I'm also not accounting for um, if my my short calls get executed. Um, Now, while all of these are definitely important, it's so hard to predict this going almost a year out into the future, right? Like it's just like I I could, but it's more work than it's actually worth at this point. Um, So those are the factors that are not included. Keep that in mind. Um, but now it's gonna go into the scenario if the deal gets approved or if the deal gets denied. So for the first one, if the deal gets approved, so if the deal gets approved at the $95 value, right? So Microsoft's not paying more than $95, this is what it is, done. Um, my, put, my put contracts become worthless um, for obvious reasons, but I can recognize the full intrinsic value of the call option, so $7.50. Plus, all the premium that I made selling the $100 call options should they not get executed. This brings my PL of the trade to $520 in the black, so I'm positive. Uh, given that my cost of the trade, excluding if my short calls get executed, is $730, bringing my total return to 71.2%. And if I factor in the March 2023 time, an IRR of 44.1%. And again, these are just easy numbers for contract sakes, right? Like I'm just doing like one um, call option, one put contract, and then selling a few um, call options as well. So these are just easy numbers, but it's just to give you a sense here of you know the uh, what the easy math is. But if we move on to the next scenario, so like what happens if the deal gets denied? So using the same numbers that I gave above, right? Like nothing's actually changed. Um, so if the deal doesn't happen since I'm, since I'm actually thinking that this will happen, so my hedge is that if it doesn't happen. So if it gets denied, I believe that the stock price will cl- quickly retrace back to where it was trading before the announcement, if not more, which is about the 650, uh, 65.50 range. Because of this price drop, my long-call contracts uh, become worthless, but I can still keep the premiums I made on the short-call contracts. Additionally, the now in-the-money-put contracts I believe would be worth about 8.50 in intrinsic value. This brings my PL of the trade to $478 in the black. Given that my cost of the trade, excluding if my short calls get executed, is $730, bringing my total return to 64.4%. And if I factor in a March 2023 time, an IRR of 13.5%. And again, I realize that there are factors that these trades do not account for, which I've mentioned above, that would greatly affect the returns for either for or against me. Um, so, Please keep that in mind, using very simple math here, um, just to kind of give you a picture of like what something could happen if it were to happen. So aside from the actual factors that I didn't account for within the trade, there actually are factors that uh, need to be accounted for just from the overall deal. Um, so there are two important factors that I might that might not deter me from executing this trade, but they will provide some light on the matter before I decide to do so. One of these uh, factors deals with the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway purchased a nearly $1 billion stake in Activision during Q4 as shares were beaten down from the frat boy culture lawsuit filed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. The stock fell to a low um, of $56 before Microsoft announced its intent uh, intent in mid-January to acquire the game developer for $95 a share. At Activision's closing share price of about $79, um, Berkshire's stake would be worth almost 1.1 billion, a solid profit, but who knows if the conglomerate is still holding the position. Considering Warren likes to do M&A arbitrage trades only after a deal is announced, I'm going to be paying very close attention to his quarterly letter um, soon to see if he is indeed writing out the buyout offer. The other factor deals with SOC Investment Group, who in a written letter advocated for shareholders to vote no for the deal, saying, quote, This transaction fails to properly value Activision and its future earnings potential, in significant part because it ignores the role that the sexual harassment crisis and the Activision board's incompetent handling of it has played in the delaying product releases and depressing the share price. It also said it's skeptical that any transaction with Microsoft or a similar acquirer would be viable, given the shift in the climate of antitrust enforcement, as well as evidence sources of potential harms to competition stemming from the merger. The vote is due April 28th, so we'll see if A, they vote no, which leads to an obvious no on the deal, or B, they still vote yes, and then the only thing stopping them is the FTC. Both of these factors are what I will be watching out for in the coming weeks. So with that being said, guys, that was the basis of my trade idea. Um, hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, please um, write them in, the, in the, the little feedback thing below. Um, be sure to um, subscribe to the newsletter so that you can get these um, updates when they come out, like hot off the press and uh, never, never miss one. But thank you again, guys, this is Paul Serro. Until next time, I will be seeing you. Oh, and then also full disclosure, sorry. Um, We, like me, myself, and Cedar Grove Capital do not have any position whatsoever um, in Activision or Microsoft. So I wrote this article myself. Uh, It expresses my own opinions. I'm not receiving any compensation for it. I have no business relationship with any company whose stock is mentioned in this article. This article is not meant to be taken as investment advice, and you should do your own diligence prior to taking any action. Thanks again, guys. See you next time.